0: Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of dirty deeds done dirt cheap.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm Paul Brassen,
1: <laughs> And I'm Jason Neeling. I like it. I like it. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of a, a high school like band trip I went on and we watched that movie, uh, Dirty Deeds, is that what that's called? And they got that song in there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, the first thing I want to say in this episode is warning, warning, warning. This is not a family-friendly episode, like, at all. This is probably going to be the most adult episode we've ever done. And we talked about love hotels and stuff, so... this
0: is 100% going to be the the most inappropriate.
1: Yeah. So uh, if you don't want to hear that stuff, or if there are children in the vicinity that you don't want to hear that stuff, now is your chance to skip this episode. Also, I know my mom listens to this podcast, so mom, I want to skip this one. My, same, same. My mom was just telling me, like, I just listened to your
0: Halloween episode, oh, and I knew did. we were recording this one today, <laughs> and I was like,
1: oh, man. How'd you like the Halloween episode? She sounds great. Nice. She loved the stories. That was this most recent one? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, it's not our fault, though, right, Jason? No, this is not at all our fault. So, if there are listeners out there who are thinking, hey, I thought this was a wholesome, family-friendly podcast. Like, what are you guys doing? This is, this is too filthy for me. Well, first of all, this isn't exactly the first red flag You know, it's the first indication that you've gotten that it's not always a wholesome, family-friendly thing. But also, if you're thinking about judging the podcast based on the content of this episode, I would like to lay the blame squarely at the feet of our patrons. Agreed. it's 100% their fault. You dirty dogs. We give you one chance to vote, and this is what happens. Had nothing to do with us. We're just floating down the river. Should be fun, though. And you steered us into... Some naked... The red light district. Yeah. We're just here for the ride. But in all seriousness, I want to thank everyone who participated in that poll, because that was really fun to watch. It was was, exciting, yeah. I was kind of rooting for Salaryman lifestyle. I thought Uh, that would be fun uh, to do That would be interesting. But yeah, I also want to thank the patrons that that participated for absolving us of any and all responsibility (laughs) for, for the nasty, filthy, degenerate stuff you're about to hear. So uh, do you want to start by defining red light districts, also known as pleasure districts?
0: Sure, sure. It is a place where concentrated number of businesses that deal with sex work are located. That's correct. Most of the red light districts in Japan are also broader entertainment districts with movie theaters and restaurants and nightclubs. But the red light is referring to the nasty stuff.
1: Yep. That's what you asked for. So that's what we're going to go into. We're not going to focus on like like Kabukicho is is probably the most famous red light district, but it's not just a red light district. It's got all that other stuff. It's an entertainment district, but uh but we're not focusing on that other other stuff.
0: Yeah, Jason. So I've never been to Kabukicho. So we're going to have to li- rely on me. your extensive experience there. You're going to do
1: me like that. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> How many times you've been to Kabukicho? I don't know, man. I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> you lost count, guys? It's just, it's a big area in You're Shinjuku, just there for like, Golden Guy and the bars, right? I would just, I just, well, one, I stayed in Kabuki-cho. Um, I'm not having a comment on that. I mean, I said before, it's just, it was a nice hotel. It was a brand new hotel and it was really close to Shinjuku Station like, you can be in Kabuki-cho without even realizing it, really. Yeah. Like, you could bring your family to Kabuki-cho, especially yeah. if it's, like, before 8 or 9 p.m. Like, I went to Kabuki-cho on, I want to say, my first full day in Japan to go to the robot restaurant. That's ah, in Kabuki-cho. Well, it was. It was, yes. Yeah, is it still there? I can never really tell, because the I, website was still up and stuff. And I, don't I know. saw multiple things saying it's not anymore. Okay. Anyway. I've never participated in any of the things that we're going to s- talk about today. I'll just throw that out there. Same. So this is all second-hand knowledge for right, us. So you're ruining all my jokes preemptively. Maybe, uh, Thank you, Paul.
0: Yep. Put <laughs> that on the record. We found uh I think some sources though from some uh miscreants out there that do Oh yeah. like these things and have uh shared some of their Personal experiences.
1: Man, Paul, I had this whole plan. Like every type of venue we talk about, I was going to be like, Paul, do you want to add your personal experience to this one? <laughs> nope. Anyway, so I will cop,
0: though. I have been to the Red Light District in Osaka, and I only went to the Bunny Bar as the only place I patroned while I was there.
1: Would you say that is a, a venue that falls under the Red Light District, uh, like kind of category of businesses? Um, no. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't think they offered any kind of services there, maybe in a back room or something. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I was young and naive. I don't know. Okay.
0: The waitresses were wearing bunny girl outfits, though. Yeah. And it was nice. The drinks were a little expensive, but worth it.
1: Well, I'm not going to say anything nearly that pervy in this episode, but uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Paul. That's the extent. That's as far as I've gone. So, did you look into the, the history of that term, red light districts, at all? No. Oh, dude, I got, a, I got some fun stuff for you. Okay. So, no one knows for sure where the term red light district originated, but there are several theories. One theory is that it goes back to a place called the Red Light House Saloon, which was located in a prominent prostitution district in Dodge City, Kansas, in the 1800s. It goes back to Kansas? Isn't that surprising? Yes. Did, were you thinking Amsterdam or something?
0: Yeah, I was thinking uh, that came to mind, but I was also like Europe, New York, something like that.
1: Well, I saw, like I said, different stories, but they all pretty much went back to... Uh, they all point to Kansas? <laughs> well, I don't know. I saw multiple ones that talked about Dodge City. So one of the ones says uh, that it goes back to early railroad workers in Dodge City, Kansas. Supposedly, when they went to brothels they would hang red lanterns outside so that their coworkers could find them when they needed to go back to work. <laughs> okay. seems. Do they work uh, at night
0: shifts? Who knows? It does track, though, railroad workers and brothels. I believe it. Sure. Also, I mean, back then. It brought to mind one of our best friends went to college in
1: Kansas. Oh, yeah. I
0: never knew what he was up to. Oh, man. That sly guy.
1: That, that must have been his only reason for going <laughs> to college there, yep. Uh, Another story says the term originated in Amsterdam in the 1600s. Amsterdam has a pretty famous red light district. Uh, Supposedly, sex workers would carry red lanterns because the color would camouflage blemishes on their skin. Okay, And make them more attractive. So then people started associating the red lanterns with sex work, and then they started hanging those outside establishments to identify them as brothels.
0: Okay.
1: So... Nobody knows exactly, but those are some fun little tales about it. So then I had another little thing about Kabukicho. Cho. Okay. Just like what it is, kind of. This is a really famous entertainment district slash red light district in Shinjuku, Tokyo. Got to be the one most visited by international tourists in Japan, I would think. Yes. Well, it contains golden guy. Which is a huge attraction
0: that everybody wants to go try a bar there.
1: Yeah, just cool, cool bars. And I guess we already kind of covered this. Like, it's not all about sex in Kabuki Cho. They actually have a bunch of movie theaters there, shops, restaurants. And it kind of depends on what street you're on, too. Yeah, like, some yeah. of them will be all restaurants and stuff. And then you walk down another street and it's like, oh, all of these signs around me have pretty ladies on them in various stages of undress, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and there are people kind of trying to pull me in here and talking to me about boobies and whatnot. There's a big Don Quixote store there that's apparently yeah. really famous
0: <laughs> for having everything.
1: Yeah, that's one of the landmarks in the Yakuza games, yeah. in, in their version of Kabuki-cho. I saw that Kabuki-cho has several thousand bars. I believe
0: Which it. is crazy. Like, it's not that
1: big of a space. Well, Kabukicho is a very tall... I mean, you know, Tokyo is just kind of built up. Yeah.
0: And the bars seat like eight people. And then there's like seven floors of them in one building. So I
1: suppose that's how that happens. Yeah. But that still seems wild. It's a crazy place. There's so much just packed in there. I mean, on a single block, there's so much entertainment. You could spend the whole night on one block and never get bored and go to like 20 different places. Oh,
0: yeah. So I wanted to mention in the intro that prostitution is illegal in Japan, but only for penetration. So there's lots of other stuff that is allowed. So we're, as we dive into all these different venues and uh, places that exist, they all have their own interesting ways of skirting around the laws that, that we'll kind of dive into. That was one of the most interesting things I feel like I found in,
1: in this research. Yeah, and it's interesting how that happened. Like, the the whole history that we're going to get into soon is pretty wild. Yep. I mean, Japan has such a different attitude, and because of the history, like, their red light districts have taken shape a lot differently than they do in other parts of the world. It's interesting to see how exactly that happened.
0: Yeah. And this episode's for informative purposes only. If you want to go be a sex tourist, I think there's probably lots of other better countries than japan
1: paul's making recommendations for where to participate in sex tourism now Jeez. this is what i've heard
0: this is what i've okay. heard
1: okay <laughs> i wasn't even going to go there but sure go for it paul you have any specific
0: recommendations i'm just trying to keep the creeps out of japan jason <laughs> i don't want i don't want gaijin
1: to get a bad rap i thought you wanted to go back to japan hey were you applying <laughs> there bro <laughs> Anyway, Paul, is it time for... Item of the Week. Yep. So this is the segment where we talk about our favorite items from our friends at bentoandco.com, a website where you can order authentic Japanese bento boxes, cookware, snacks, and more. And I think last time I talked about some stuff, so I think it's your turn to talk about some stuff, Paul. Yeah. I want to recommend The
0: Great Wave off Kanagawa, furoshiki. So a furoshiki is a piece of cloth that you can wrap up your bento box in
1: to carry it and keep it shut. But you can also wrap up other things in it too. You can wrap up all sorts of things. I've seen like diagrams online that show you how to turn it into like a backpack or how to carry a bottle of wine or how to carry just all sorts of things. It's like origami with this uh, piece of cloth.
0: Yeah, Bento & Co. has a YouTube video that shows you different ways to tie these Perfect. And if you tie it right, you can stick your chopsticks in the top and have a little handle to grab. When I come to work with my bento all wrapped up like this, everybody's like, oh, man, what do you got for lunch, dude? Like Yeah, you get a lot of comments. I do, I do.
1: Everybody nice. sees it. And the great wave off Kanagawa is so iconic. Oh, yeah. That it just looks great. Dude, I have, there's a manager that, he's not my direct manager, but he works around me. And he's always got, like, so many crazy shirts. And I saw him wearing... A shirt that was the wave of Kanagawa one day, and I was like, "Oh, Hokusai!" I don't Uh, think he knew what that meant, but yeah, a
0: little too deep there. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's my recommendation. You can get it by going to bentoandco.com. Use code Sightseeing10 to save 10% off everything you order, or you can go to our website and go to the Support Us section and click on the link there, and it will bring you to the website and automatically apply the discount code for you.
1: Pretty good deal. Okay, Paul. History of sex?
0: Um, I didn't quite go that deep. Oh. It all started with Adam
1: and Eve in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> I think that's a myth. <laughs> I'd agree with you there. Um. So yeah, I, we're going to focus on uh, the history of the sex trade in Japan, I guess, but I had one sentence just to say, I mean, the sex trade has existed around the world for thousands of years, and of course, that's true in Japan as well. But I wanted to start our story around the end of the Sengoku period. Does that sound good to you, Paul? Yeah. So this is late 1500s. Uh, as Japan was entering a more peaceful time, as as it transitioned into the Edo period, brothels were concentrating in specific neighborhoods. And then when the Tokugawa shogunate took over at the beginning of the 1600s, the Edo period, they established designated pleasure quarters where this kind of stuff was supposed to be contained. But these quarters weren't only for the sex trade. Even then, like it wasn't just a red light district. It was entertainment all packed together in a certain spot. So they had places for culture and performing arts and all that kind of stuff. We mentioned this in the geisha episode, actually, episode 12, because geisha culture also came out of these pleasure quarters, but geishas themselves were not prostitutes. They were entertainers. And then you could also find actors, dancers, comedians, painters, those types of people in these areas. Yeah, it's where people went to have a good time. So all sorts of entertainment sprung up.
0: I thought it was really interesting that the famous district uh, in the Edo period was called Yoshiwara, and it was actually separated from the rest of society with a moat.
1: Yeah, it wasn't just Yoshiwara either. I got the impression that a lot of the pleasure quarters in that time were very much like separated from the rest of the city in that way. So these pleasure quarters in general were known as Yukaku. There were a few well-known ones back then, uh, Yoshiwara in Tokyo, Shimabara in Kyoto, And Shinmachi in Osaka. But those weren't the only ones, of course. Like most decent sized cities would have their own yukaku. Yeah. And another interesting thing I thought about these places is that it sounded like inside them, the social classes could kind of mix more than they could anywhere else in society.
0: Yeah, it was a place you would go to where a lot of the rules didn't apply anymore.
1: Yeah, like it was more about how much money you had to spend rather than what class you came from, what your profession was, if you were a samurai or a commoner or a merchant or whatever.
0: And it was really a mixed bag for the women working there too, because you had some really high-end entertainers that would be trained in all sorts of arts and dancing that would entertain the more rich people. And you also had women that were there because their families were in debt and they were there trying to pay it off. And some of them would be able to climb up out of that. Some of them lived their lives in poverty and lived and died that way. It was uh, quite the mixed bag of uh, things going on there. But it wasn't all bad for everybody.
1: True. Uh, I have some details uh, about Yoshiwara specifically. I dug into how things went down there. Okay. So Yoshiwara was established in 1617 near modern Nihonbashi. After it burnt down in 1656, though, they moved it to Asakusa, actually, north of Sensoji, you know, a really famous temple in Tokyo. But it was after that move that it really started to grow into Edo's greatest entertainment district. So by the 18th century, there were around 3,000 women living in Yoshiwara. And I mean, like you said, Paul, there were different people in different situations, but I mean, it sounded like for a lot of people, things were not great. And I mean, this is also the case today, as we'll get into. But I got the impression that most of the women working there came from poor families that had sold them to the brothels when they were between 7 and 12 years old. And so they would become indentured servants with 5 to 10-year contracts. But then I feel like this has come up in other professions, too, where it's like the people training them the brothels, had to feed them, give them a place to stay. So it's like they're constantly charging them for these services. So they're constantly accruing more and more debt. Right. And a lot of women would just end up stuck there for the rest of their lives. Like they they could never pay for their freedom, basically. Yeah. But there were some people that could climb out of that. These were mostly people that became Oiran, which were high-class courtesans. And they would learn to read and write. They would study music and history and poetry and the arts and like they they were very expensive, fancy, highly sought after people and they could actually start their own businesses and some of them got super rich even but they were the minority. So Yoshiwara just kept growing over the years. By 1893 there were over 9,000 women living and working there and I hear that syphilis was widespread Mm. at that time. So yeah, just kind of Crazy to imagine that. Next of I had is about around the World War II period. Did you have anything else before that, Paul? Nope. Did you uh, look into comfort women much? Not as part of this research, but I'm very familiar, familiar, with, familiar with, with the topic. Well, I mean, I felt like it was worth mentioning because it does kind of figure into how things developed, especially with the uh, Yakuza involvement. Mm. So... Well, to define comfort women, these were women and girls who were forced into sexual slavery by the Imperial Japanese Army to serve the Japanese soldiers. And it's it's crazy. It's a crazy story. And a lot of people are still very upset that this happened.
0: Yeah. A lot of them were from places that Japan had conquered.
1: Yeah. Actually, I was surprised to learn that the first comfort women were actually Japanese women either volunteered some some volunteered or they were coerced or deceived or even kidnapped but yeah as japan tried to build their empire and they were invading their neighbors uh, they started taking women from all these colonies too i hate to make light of such a depressing topic but like those first
0: japanese women that volunteered it's like Are you just extremely patriotic, or are you a total freak?
1: Or are you super poor, and this is like the only way you can think of to survive? Yeah, yeah. That's my guess. Money always comes into it, huh? But In the end, I saw estimates of up to 200,000 comfort women, most of them from Korea. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a huge political issue between Japan and Korea now. Yeah, yeah, because Japan has not been uh, forthcoming with like apologies or even acknowledging that it happened, right? Yeah. They must have learned that one from us, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. But as I mentioned, the Yakuza were also involved in this. I saw one source describe it as basically the Yakuza and the Japanese government working together to set up this whole system. Sure. And uh, I mean, ever since, the Yakuza have been very closely tied in with the sex industry and I don't know, it's hard to get details on exactly how involved they are, but some places seem to say that they basically run most of that stuff. I mean, to this day, the Yakuza and the police sometimes work together for certain things. True, yeah. By the way, Yakuza, they're like organized crime syndicates in Japan, if, uh, if you weren't aware. We did a whole episode about Yakuza, I don't have the number here, but yeah, interesting stuff, that whole world So then the war ended and uh, America came swooping in and occupied Japan and made a whole bunch of changes. Yes. So they issued an order to abolish that national legalized sex work system, including, of course, those comfort women stations, which is a little ironic because at the time, the American servicemen were taking advantage of those same comfort women, that whole system that had been set up. Army's going to army. Yeah. So a lot of stuff changed pretty quickly here. All of a sudden, brothels couldn't operate out in the open anymore. They had to rename themselves as either like cafes or restaurants or, you know, anything that makes them sound like not sexy places. And then those yukaku were thereafter called akasen. Did you come across that term, Paul? Yeah. What does akasen mean? I didn't write it down. It means red line. Because these districts were outlined in red on municipal zoning maps to identify them as brothel districts. Mm. And then they had normal entertainment districts that didn't have sexy stuff going on. Those were called Aosen, blue line districts, because they outlined those in blue. Okay. Isn't that fun? Sure. So it seems like for a time, sex work was still tolerated in those Akasen districts. It just kind of had to go underground a bit more. I mean, that's still how it is today. Pretty much, yeah. So do you know what happened in 1958? The Japanese government officially outlawed prostitution. Yoshiwara, the other Akasen, went away pretty quick after that. So like there weren't... Yeah, that was kind of the death of it. They
0: changed the name. They tried to kind of bury the past and, and build new.
1: And as you mentioned in the intro, like these days, technically it's illegal to offer... Vaginal intercourse. But there are ways around that, as we will see. And there are all the other types of sexual services that are still offered legally, just, well, I was going to say hidden, but they're really not even that hidden anymore. Yeah. So if we can back up a little bit, I do have a little bit of history about Kabukicho. Yeah. That's the really big red light district we mentioned in the intro. So that area was originally called Tsunohazu, and it was a swamp. A sexy swamp. (laughs) In the late 1800s, it was filled in. The swamp was filled in, and before too long, it developed into a residential area. Actually, around there was a school, a girls' school, I think. There, hmm. but in World War II, that area was destroyed. And after the war, they decided to rebuild it and turn it into an entertainment district, like it is today. Do you know why it's called Kabukicho? They were planning to build a kabuki theater there. That's true. That I don't think ever got built, but the name stuck. That's correct. So, Kabuki Cho was officially formed on April 1st, 1948. And even though it didn't get that Kabuki theater, it did get a bunch of other types of theaters, including the city's biggest movie theater. Yeah. Also, arcades, discotheques, other types of entertainment venues. But it wasn't until the 1980s when more and more adult businesses started moving in and taking over the scene. And in 1989, host and hostess clubs got really popular. I kind of. I don't know. I didn't realize it was that late, I guess. I would have thought it was a little earlier, maybe. Well, I think the reason that that started
0: happening is because they started changing their nighttime entertainment laws. And all these places like movie theaters and dance clubs and things can't be open past midnight or 1 a.m. These kind of not that late times, but other facilities could. So like a hostess club, for whatever reason, can be open way later. So it kind of switch to that sort of business just to get around these new regulations that they were creating. So they tried to curtail
1: nighttime entertainment and just made it dirtier. Funny how that happens. Laws don't always make things change the way you expect or want them to. Ready to talk about the types of places that you might come across in red light districts in Japan? I suppose so. Right. And I would like to say again, even though Paul seems pretty encouraging, I'm not advocating that you participate in sex tourism at all. And this section, even though we're going to go into the details about what happens at these places, it's not intended to be a how to guide or anything, but. Uh, I would recommend that you don't. But I don't want to shame anybody. Everybody's free to make their own choices. That's true. But yeah, uh you know, this is the episode you asked for. So we're going to go into details. <laughs> I was thinking we start with kind of the more tame types of venues and work our way down to the more filthier places. So, you know, if you start to feel uncomfortable, you can always uh Yeah, it's only going to get worse, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, just listen to your comfort level or whatever. Okay.
0: I think most adults are going to be able to handle this. But we can start with host and hostess clubs.
1: You ever you ever been to one of these? I have not. I ran a hostess club. I was In the manager. of a video game? In the Yakuza games. There, there's oh, like okay, a mini game okay. where you can run a hostess sure. club. It's pretty fun. These places aren't as dirty
0: sexually, but they're also like monetarily, these places are a trap. Yeah. So basically, they go both ways. So it's a host club is with men. A hostess club is with women. I'm just going to talk about women, but everything can be reversed to be the same with men. So you're going to pay to spend time with pretty girls. That's the gist of it. You come in, you pay to get in, and you get to sit with a girl or multiple girls, and they flirt with you, they give you attention, they try to get you to spend as much money as they can possibly get you to spend. And yeah. that's how they make their commissions.
1: Essentially, I think the simplest way to think about it is you're paying for a date. You know? Pretty much. You do want to sit there and drink with them, and they're going to like flirt with you and make you feel really good about yourself, but there is a strict no-touching policy. Yes. So you could actually compare this to the role of geisha. This could be kind of like the modern-day geisha experience, right? Yeah. They're just there to entertain you and make sure you have a good time.
0: Yep. They're going to try to get you to buy them drinks. They're going to try to get you to drink more. They may actually be drinking with you. They may be pretending to drink with you. It's hard to tell sometimes.
1: Honestly, I feel like we could do a whole episode about host and hostess clubs because they're just kind of fascinating places we definitely could
0: you're often going to see a bunch of pictures up front a bunch of headshots of like all the women on posters out front or even really big on the side of the building
1: i've definitely seen those types of displays on buildings
0: and a lot of people get sucked in like it's fake right but people fall for these girls and the guys and Mm -hmm. they just come there and just dump ridiculous amounts of money to try to get more of their attention, and some people get down real bad.
1: Did you know that a lot of people who work at these places actually just like at the end of their shift, they take their pay and they go to a club for the opposite sex and go blow all of that
0: money? I was going to bring that up. I forgot to write down the number, but I heard some ridiculous thing like 40 or 50% of women working in sex work in Japan are doing it so that they have money to go spend at the host club. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy because you would think that they do that all day for a job that they would know better than anyone else that this is fake.
1: Yeah. And yet they still fall for it. It's fascinating to me, like the psychology behind that whole thing.
0: Yeah, I saw a documentary like years ago and they were like following this woman that was a sex worker and she was making like $10,000 a month. And spending almost all of it on this one guy at a host club. She was buying him like multi thousand dollar gifts. She would go there and like pop a thousand dollar
1: bottle of champagne all the time. It was crazy. I read that a lot of customers of host clubs are sex workers. And it made me wonder like, so they get into sex work. Independently of that, and then they just maybe want to have a positive interaction with a man. Yeah, they have all these guys trying
0: to use them all day, and then they go to the host club and they're like waiting handed feet on them, giving them all this attention. I think that's part of it.
1: But also, I saw that women that aren't in the sex industry can be drawn into the sex industry through host clubs because they can go into debt. Like if they fall in love with a certain host or whatever, and they just want to spend all their time with him. They end up going to the host club all the time, spending all this money. The club might give them a loan so that they can keep coming, but then to pay it off, they might end up. They'll doing be like, sex oh, hey, themselves. we've got this
0: place you can work to make some money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and some of these people are, you know, they prey on people. Like they will keep pushing you to spend. Like, well, if you really cared about me, you'd buy another bottle. Or, oh, I need to go spend time with this other person, but. If you spend more money, I can stay with you. Like,
1: yeah, it's
0: pretty bad sometimes.
1: I've even seen. I feel like just in a lot of Japanese media, you see situations where it's like a customer thinks that they're in a real relationship with a host or a hostess, but then you see the host or hostess in another scene where they're clearly just like yeah, they're like, oh no, taking advantage no, of that not. person. Yeah, they get all sorts of gifts and stuff too. Like, yes, like customers yes. will just throw all like sorts of expensive things. gifts. People can get. Cars as gifts, like luxury oh. vehicles. Oh man, it's amazing that people like buy into that fantasy so wholeheartedly. Yeah. All that being said, I think this is the only place on the list that I would actually maybe go. I gotta be honest. I'm curious, like, what that experience would be like. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm about I'm like planning to seek this out,
0: but like sometimes, like, I could just see like. Oh, you know, a few guys at the office after finishing a big project, like, oh, hey, let's go hang out, get a couple girls to flirt with
1: us. We'll have some drinks. It'll be a fun night. Like, I could see that being fun. A year from now, Paul's moved to Japan, and he's just, like, getting sucked deeper yeah. and deeper into the post I'm school. walking
0: in. I'm like, oh, I know it's fake. <laughs> hour later, I'm like, let me buy you. <laughs> let me buy you a new purse. Yeah.
1: You gotta come save me if that happens, Jason. I'll do my best, but I don't know. Might get myself in trouble just like trying to get you out of that, you know? You're like, Paul, you need to leave here an hour later. You're like, let me buy you a car. That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you're you're rubbing up against the the dark underbelly of Japanese society, you know. Yeah, true. People true. can especially if you're threatening somebody's income and that kind of thing, you know? People are yeah. gonna murder me just to keep Paul around. People get crazy for money. Yeah. But uh, I also saw that alcoholism is a really big issue in that industry. So, yeah, because they know. make money
0: by drinking.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Before doing this research, I mean, the first time I'd ever heard of host and hostess clubs, it's like, oh, that seems pretty harmless. But the yeah. more you dig into it, it's like, oh, man. It's, yeah. Kind of shady and like, I don't know. We should probably move on because, like I said, we could do a whole episode and just talk for an wouldn't, hour. Wouldn't want my loved ones
0: working in that industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, moving on. All right. Uh, Another thing you might see are signs that say like DVD on them. And I've seen these and I I always assumed that it was just like a porn shop basically selling like explicit DVDs, but that's not what they are. No, no, it's not. I mean, those places are around too, probably. You don't even need to go to a red light district for that kind of stuff. But the DVD places in red light districts are actually places where you go pay to watch a DVD there. And then you can, you know, um, service yourself. That's one way to put it. So, yeah, you get all these DVDs to choose from. You get a
0: little booth, you watch it, you do your thing. Some of them even have like showers so you can clean yourself up afterwards. Hmm. I saw some of them maybe even have beds so you can like take a nap. Okay. Feeling a little sleepy and contented after that, maybe? So, I got no problem with this place. Like, nobody's getting abused, nobody's getting taken advantage of. It's just like a place to do things. Sure. I got zero problem with it.
1: I wouldn't go because I have privacy in my own home. I've been to one of these in the Yakuza video games. (laughs) Almost had me, Jason. (laughs) You almost had me. But I could see where like a lot of
0: people in Japan live in like tight quarters with other family and you need some time to yourself. I I see why it exists. For sure. Makes sense. Yeah, Definitely. Next up we've got something called fashion health.
1: I saw these described as "quote unquote massage parlors" yeah. where you can pay for various sexual services. Like it seemed like I mean they'll have a long menu of different things that they offer anything short of penetration basically. Yes, pretty much everything else is on the table. So it's legal. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: entirely legal. It's just a building with a bunch of rooms that have a bed and a bath. And you get to pick your service, go up there with the girl, and
1: get what you paid for. All right. Image clubs are similar to fashion health places, but these have themes. The image is about, like you want you want to live out a specific fantasy in a certain type of environment. They will have rooms set up to look like an office or a classroom or a train car so people can act out whatever fantasies are. Swimming around in those brains of theirs. Yeah, and they will do
0: the role play. So in the last episode, we were talking about groping at train stations as a problem. Yeah. Since the crackdown on that, these places have become more popular and people come here and they live out their fantasy. So they actually have the girl play out like you're groping her and taking advantage of her. Like that's the role play that they do, which I suppose is healthier, It's definitely
1: better than like actually doing that in real life, paying someone to do it. I would agree with that. So I'd say that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. I wouldn't personally go to one of these places, but I can see the appeal. I mean, where else can you act out your fantasies like that, you know, unless you have somebody that's very willing to accommodate you, you know, in in your personal life or whatever?
0: Yeah. Anything cosplay gets my
1: attention. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Paul, did you ever hit anything about strip clubs? I didn't see much. I don't know if there's like the same way we have strip clubs here. I don't know if that's
1: very popular in From Japan. what I've seen, they're a lot more rare in Japan. They do exist apparently, but like Western style strip clubs aren't popular. I saw because they're too vanilla. Uh-huh. <laughs> like they're, they're just too basic. It's no people, touching. It's, uh... People want more of a theme. They want to act out their specific fantasy, like sure. just seeing a woman undressed sure. isn't as exciting, I guess. It might
0: be something to do with the laws. Like here it's more strict. Like in Japan, where you mm. can get a blowjob or a job or something and that's legal. Sure. That's not the case here. So strip clubs is
1: about as far as you could legally go. Yeah. In America. So maybe that's partly why they're more popular. That makes sense. In Japan, they just have less to offer than a lot of these other places. Yeah. Like Pink salons for example. What's a pink salon? It is focused on one thing and one thing only. Blow jobs. I was going to go with oral sex, try to keep it, you know, a little academic, but yeah. What Paul said? I was invited into this type of place in Shibuya. I mentioned that before. <laughs> what? By who? I told you this. It was uh, I mean by somebody that worked there apparently. Okay, you know? okay, okay. It was like the first night I was in Japan, I had gone to sleep and I woke up at like 3 a.m. like you do your first night, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was just wandering around down it was like a few hundred feet from Shibuya crossing and I was just walking down the sidewalk and a woman was like hand job low job you want to come in? And I'm like <laughs> that's okay. I'm just playing Pokemon Go here on my phone and she's like oh yeah, nice. <laughs>
0: so Snorlax over there.
1: <laughs> what if she would have
0: been like there's a Mewtwo inside? <laughs> Do I need to buy something or can I just go get the Mewtwo? <laughs> You'd you pay the money, you go in there. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm just here for the Pokemon. I've heard this described as a place for a quickie. They get down to business and just go
1: yeah. straight to it and you're in, you're out. Pretty impersonal from what I heard. Yeah. But you can like, they had a name for this where you like pick a bunch of girls and you can have them swap out every few minutes. Flower petal rotation. Okay. Paul's got all the deets. <laughs> Hanabiri Kaiten. So
0: yeah, you get, if you like pay for an hour of time and say, I want three girls every 20 minutes, another one rotates in for you. That was kind of interesting. Yep. I've heard this is good for a place for groups. Like if you and your buddies are all going out, this place could more easily accommodate you. Sure. I thought it was interesting too that another way of getting around laws, even though this is legal they're registered as hostess clubs so they could stay open later. A lot of these other establishments are going to shut down at like 1 a.m. Whereas these type of places are hostess clubs. And it's divided kind of like a manga cafe where it's one big room, but they just have little dividers up dividing into little sections. So there's a little bit of privacy, but
1: not a ton of privacy. I thought I read an account where you could, somebody said that you could see the other guy's faces. Yeah, that's kind of what it seemed like. Oh, I guess that would make sense. Like they're little cubicle walls. Yeah. Kind of, and you can see over the top of them. Yeah. It seems uncomfortable. <laughs> You're just making eyes and <laughs> winking at people. <laughs> yeah, man. I know what's going on over there. Hey bro, this this is good, right, bro? Yeah, yeah. hey. Air high five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe that's what it's like. I don't know. So what else we got, Jason?
1: Well, we got delivery health. Mm. We mentioned this in the Love hotels episode, yeah, which was episode 105, because this is basically where you can call and place an order for a woman to come meet you at a love hotel, or I didn't realize, apparently you can even call them to your home or just normal business hotels. Yeah, I was assumed, I guess, that it was just love hotels for some reason.
0: They probably all have different rules about what they do. It might be harder to business hotel. Because they sometimes for them to get, get in on like, yeah right like they sometimes get escorted to your place too mm. if like a guy shows up with a girl and they're like up
1: to your room the staff might be like oh no yeah, no, yeah. no no not here not here some hotels have signs that say like no visitors yeah like stuff. yeah um, but yeah so there are different types of play that you can engage in with this service but again intercourse is not allowed and these businesses are regulated by law so you can get into a lot of trouble if you try to break that rule. And since this isn't a physical established place,
0: this goes 24 hours. Like you could order someone to show up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. or any time. So that's one reason I think they're sometimes popular. Makes sense. Or for people that are shy. Sure. I don't want to be in a cubicle staring at 20
1: other dudes' faces. (laughs) Got to admire the convenience, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Japan is so convenient. Anything you could possibly want as a human being. They're ready for you. Paul, are you ready to talk about soaplands? Yeah, sure. This was the type of venue I was most intrigued by, I'll say. Sure. Because I'd heard a lot about these. It's probably the most famous, along with like
0: hostess clubs. Like these two are the ones that most people probably heard of.
1: Yeah. I was actually employed by a soapland uh, In a video in, in the game, Arkansas, right? In a video game, yeah. So, you know, I know a little bit about how how this works. You're like opening yourself up to get clipped out of context (laughs) all over this episode. That's true. That's true. So you can think of Soap lands as sexy bathhouses, essentially. Yep. You pay to get in a private bathhouse area with a woman, and she will wash you and do some other things. From what I saw, there are basically three kind of phases to this whole experience. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Not exactly. What's the first thing? Like when you first get in there with the woman, what's going to happen? Oh, with the woman, she's going to clean you. Yeah. Body washing portion is is part number one. So you get in a bath together. She washes you. Did you see these chairs that they have in there? No, I didn't see any pictures. They have these chairs called skebe chairs. And they look just like what you would sit on if you went to an onsen. And you're cleaning yourself before you get into the onsen. It's like a little upside down bucket kind of thing you're sitting on, right? Sure. But these ones have like a gap right down the middle in the part that goes underneath you for easy access to your nether regions. (laughs) Sure, sure. Make it easy to clean or do whatever else you want to happen down there. Yeah. Uh, So the woman might like rub up on you as she's cleaning you and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of nice. And then part two of the experience. You know what that is? Uh, you get down to business, right? I think that's part three. Oh, part three. I saw this called mat Play is the second part. Matt Play. Mat Play. Okay. They put down an air mattress, basically. They pour a bunch of like lotion, lube type stuff on it. And then you lay down and the woman like slides her body all over you. It's okay. just rubbing up on you. Okay. Sounds fun. Wet and wild. Did you hear about The thing called Sumata. Oh, that sounds familiar. I didn't have specific notes about it. It kind of reminds me of this. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about.
0: one way they get around the law against penetrative sex. It's basically where you both get naked and she kind of like grinds, dry humps you with her genitals to simulate like the closest experience to sex without actually being illegal. Yeah. That's fairly popular at some of these places. I heard about that. So at soaplands this is probably the most likely place where you're going to get to go all
1: the way. That's part 3 is sex. <laughs> but, but but wait Paul isn't that illegal? It is. Well, but what, what's going on there? The way these places seem to operate
0: is that all the women working there aren't employees. They're private contractors. So the people that own the buildings, they're like I'm just renting out this room for them to do bath services. Whatever else they do in there, that's not me. I can't get in trouble for that. And then the women seem to be less likely to get targeted and arrested for breaking these laws. They're usually trying to go after the institutions or the owners. So it's kind of their way of getting around it. And then even if you do get caught, they kind of just try to be like, oh, I was just, we were just doing a bath, but you know. We both just wanted to. He didn't pay for this. We just decided to
1: have sex together. And that's their story, and they're sticking to it. Yeah. Apparently, the law technically says that what's illegal is sexual intercourse with an unspecified person, meaning like an unacquainted person, in exchange for money. But the loophole is that if you just claim that, well, well we bathe together, so now we know each other, so now we're just Yeah. Acquaintances. Now now we're just getting romantic. Yeah. I don't know. The way I understood the law is that like prostitution is legal as long as you know each other. It's like the way that it seems to be worded. Like if you're acquaintances, it's okay to have sex in exchange for money. It's only with unacquainted, unspecified people that it's illegal. Mm. It's such a weird loophole. I mean, people are weird. Like there's relationships out
0: there that kind of work like that, right? Sure. Even if it's I not guess, necessarily stated. That's like, a good
1: point like where do you draw the line cuz you know buying a woman without a job a bunch of expensive things and then she sleeps with you yeah. I, don't know, I don't know where right is, it's okay
0: if she's your girlfriend or your wife yeah. but yeah or
1: is it like is cash different than a bunch of expensive objects like is there a, a distinction
0: to be made there? You know? I think it's illegal to give your girlfriend wads of cash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, interesting. So, you have to pay works.
0: twice at these places, right? You got to pay the entrance fee to the person who owns the building, and then you pay the woman
1: inside for the services that you're going to get as well. Yeah. So, I got the impression that like some of these other places we mentioned earlier might try to get away with this type of stuff too. Like, it's not a hard line between yeah, where they're yeah. going to offer the full service right. and, and right. where they're not. Like, I think, especially the, uh, like the delivery health. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're in your hotel room. Who knows what happens, you right, know? Right. And even though soap lands have kind of exploited this loophole for a long time, it's still not 100% safe. Like I have seen that soap lands do get shut down for this sometimes. Sure, It's one of those things where it's enforced differently in different right. places and it's kind of- And then of the ir-
0: next one pops up and yeah. life goes on. Yeah. But yeah, people do get arrested for breaking these laws. And Another reason not to do it as a foreigner. Like, you don't want to get arrested in Japan.
1: No. Um, I didn't see this in my research, but in the Yakuza game, they referenced that there are, like, a limited number of licenses for soap plans. Like, they have to be licensed, you know? And the government isn't handing out new licenses. So it's like, once a soap plan shuts down, there's not going to be one replacing it. Basically. Oh, okay. I don't know how, you know... Those games try to be pretty realistic most of the time, but I don't know how Sure, sure. is.
0: Eh, They'll find their next way around it. Sex always finds a way, Jason. Wise words. (laughs) So I found this next one really interesting called Chonoma. Yeah, these are interesting. This seemed to be especially popular in the Osaka Red Light District. This was kind of like their way of getting around the new laws, where all of these women run a restaurant and that's the cover and they'll stand outside there's a few specific streets you can walk down that are lined with these small shops and women are out front or inside doing their work and you pay for a meal right (laughs) and they go inside and it's like a little thing downstairs you go upstairs and there's just like a futon on the ground and a chair and you pay for sex And it's their cover for prostitution. So it's basically like, oh no, it's just the waitress and
1: uh, we fell in love and decided to have sex tonight. As I was researching this, I thought it was interesting. I came across a couple different independent websites, I think, where it was like religious organizations focusing on these places specifically. Okay. I want to say there was a Mormon website where this woman was like talking about how she was walking down the street and like taking video of it to kind of try to expose it to the world or something. Sure. You know, she, people were not happy about that. I bet. And, uh, I just thought it was interesting that that was like only related to those specific places. I came across these religious groups trying to do something about it. Okay. Weird. I mean, everyone knows what they're doing. I mean, I guess maybe they're the most visible. Cause like the women are there. Like as you're walking down the right. street, you can see them in there. They're just, sitting there like yeah. trying to
0: call people over and they're kind of
1: like come on in come over you know yeah. and maybe people kind of perceive it as one of the dirtiest forms because it's just like literally you just go in there it's and pay for sex straight up and, prostitution yeah, yeah yeah But yeah apparently i got the impression that these were tolerated for a long time even though like i mean it's clearly blatantly illegal right But not too long ago, there was a crackdown and they closed a whole bunch of them. Mm. Um, I also read that these places aren't necessarily run directly by the Yakuza, but they would pay the Yakuza protection money, which might figure into why they were tolerated for so long. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to figure out like how the Yakuza are involved in each of these because, you know, I get the impression that they're involved in all of it too. So it's
0: never just the women at any of these places, right? Yeah. Like, they bring you upstairs and a guy comes with and takes your money. And then he comes back when the time's up. Like there's always a guy
1: around somewhere. It could somehow. just be enforcers. Like it's, well, they're it's not for, impossible that these places are run by women, but they're hiring men just yeah, for yeah, protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're and there stuff. for safety. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So beyond all those places, there's also an underground sex industry where there's no licensing, there's no v- venues, you know, and it's just like people doing whatever they want on the street, that kind of stuff. you know, happens everywhere, right? Yeah. And I got the impression that this is where the Yakuza are most likely to be involved. Okay. And, of course, since it's not licensed, there are no regulations that apply to this that they're operating under. This is probably the most dangerous type of thing to get involved in for, I mean, for anybody, really. The customers, the the women.
0: yeah there's subsidized dating where women just post on a website or something and guys pay to take them out for dinner and then maybe more and it this gets sad too because like you're outside the law now and now it's like underage people and just like all sorts of like awful stuff happening yeah so maybe it's
1: time to ask Jason should sex work be legal what's your opinion it's a tough situation. I mean, there's so many angles, so many uh aspects to consider. I think okay. <laughs> Let me say I think people should be free to do what they want, but you also have to consider if people are really free to do what they want because there's always coercion and stuff in these types of situations, you know? But at the same time, like if you just ban all types of sex work, you get the same kind of problems you would with alcohol prohibition, right? Like it's going to happen anyway, but if there's no way to license or regulate it, it just makes it more dangerous for everybody involved. And then the people that are coerced into it or have no other choice or whatever, and they're doing that to survive, they end up in a much worse situation. So because of that, I think it's best to regulate it rather than ban it outright. What do you think, Paul? I completely agree with you. I think it's, Something that's
0: not great in a lot of situations, but it's going to happen anyways, right? So if you regulate it and you control it and you legalize it, that's where people are going to go. If it's legal, they're going to go to the legal places because it's safer, it's easier, it's better. And then you're able to control it and make sure there's not underage people, have more controls that people aren't getting abused. But if you make it illegal, it's still going to happen, but now anything goes. Yeah, I think the alcohol analogy was great. Same thing with like drugs. If you're selling hard drugs in the street, they're cutting it with whatever and people are dying. But if you're selling more controlled drugs, people are less likely to go to the crazy stuff. I'm with you there. I think everything should pretty much be legal. That's personal choice. Um, And we just try to control it and make it as safe as possible because you can't make people not be humans.
1: It's a public health thing too. Like... If you regulate it, you can enforce, you know, safe sex, condoms, and r- reduce the spread of diseases. Yeah, you can kind of test thing. people and do do lots of stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's not something I want to personally support, right? But I think it should be
1: legal for all those reasons. Yeah. I realize I said like there's always coercion involved in those types of things. I didn't mean that like everybody in the sex right, industry is right. coerced into that. But some people, like, but some people in that type scared. of industry that is present, you know. But of course there are people that voluntarily participate in that work and that's if that's what you want to do that's fine i think Well, does that kind of lead into our next topic safety yeah yeah so (laughs) so i got a few things to start out with like safety for you personally when you're
0: in a red light district
1: sure i was just chuckling because in my notes here the way that I was going to intro this section was, so so far, you might have the impression that these places are all fun and games, but uh, <laughs> I feel like we've already kind of... I think we're past that. Yeah, on. we've already spilled the beans. Yeah.
0: One thing is, you know, Japan's a low-crime place, but when you're out at night, especially in places like these, watch out for pickpockets. You know, keep an eye on your wallet. Don't cause too many problems, because like we've alluded to before, the Yakuza are involved in this area. Like, if you're a sloppy, messy drunk that causes problems, don't go to Kabuki Cho and get hammered and make a big scene because the Yakuza might come and tell you to fuck off, right? And that's not something that you want. It's also a lot less sketchy before like 10, 11 p.m. So you can go have fun when the sun goes down and get out of there at a reasonable time and you're much less likely to run into anything wild or going in groups is another good idea. If you're not there by yourself, you're less likely to get messed with by anybody.
1: I just want to say, like, this, this is kind of the dark underbelly of Japan or whatever, but Japan is generally an extremely safe country. Right, and Japan's like Pikachu. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's not that much bad there. Like, I wouldn't call Kabuki show dangerous. Nah. Like, if you have your wits about you, and you're not doing dumb, risky things, like, you're going to be fine. You the know? middle of the night in Kabukicho
0: is probably safer than, like, a random evening in Minneapolis.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sadly, that's... that's <laughs> and Minneapolis true. isn't that bad. No, it's not. Oh, man. I don't know. I see a lot of Americans these days just bashing on Minneapolis because of the whole George Floyd yeah, thing. But, whatever. But they those can, people don't live in Minneapolis. Right. Everybody that
0: insults Minneapolis doesn't live in Minneapolis. Yeah. Remember that guy with the hook for the
1: hand? Yes. The, I've that been thinking weird about that a lot That guy lately. that we met. Because <laughs> like, I spend every day in Minneapolis now, and I don't remember exactly where that was. And I'm trying to like... Right.
0: I don't remember what hotel we were staying at that night. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's bring back memories. Oh, why did I bring I know. Back? That was oh, a no, crazy Oh, no. Now I remember night, everything man. else that happened that night. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Move on, please, Jason. You don't move want me on. to... Okay. No, please. Let's not talk about that.
1: Um. So I have some tips. I think the biggest one is don't just follow some random person into a specific establishment. Like there are likely to be people that are trying to beckon you into a certain place. Yeah. All Maybe the good places don't, do that. don't
0: need to do that. Yeah. I I've heard it. You're much better going on, like go to Google maps or Google or something and look at ratings, go find somewhere that's highly rated rather than the person that's trying to wave you into their uh, shady establishment.
1: Sure. I have a whole story about this because I think the most common scam is where they lure you into a bar or wherever. You have a couple drinks and then you get the bill and it's like ridiculous, like hundreds of dollars. Yes. And then if you try to complain, they might have muscle there to discourage you from leaving without paying. Yeah. Maybe they even walk you to the ATM and make like watch you get yeah, money out. Yeah, with a big group of guys. yeah, Not a good situation to be in. I've
0: heard even sometimes they can call the police and
1: the police will be right. like-
0: Well, that's what it costs. If that's what they say it costs, that's what you owe. So if they don't have a menu
1: there with a price on it, like always check the menu before you order something. I feel like things might be changing a bit recently. So I got a few stories. And at first, when I first heard about this, I thought maybe they focused on like foreign tourists, but it's really not. They can target anybody. I read about a situation where a couple of Japanese people went to this bar that somebody on the street like recommended they had a couple drinks and a single order of yakitori, and then they got a bill for over 8,500 yen. And like they had a picture in this article of the bill, and it's it's insane. They have like a seating charge, a year end charge, a weekend charge.
0: Like, that, yeah. None of that
1: is even food or anything, it's just like random charges. Yeah. And then they got charged for tea, which normally you get for free at a place like that. So yeah, like it can happen to anybody, but there was a crackdown. Last year in Kabukicho, they arrested sixteen people involved in this type of scam. Good. Where they would lure men in online, actually on dating sites, and then they hired pretty girls to like meet these guys in person, and then they would bring them into shady bars and encourage them to drink more and more. Yeah. And this article about this mentioned bills of up to three hundred thirty thousand yen, like thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. For yeah. these bills, that's crazy. So yeah. My advice is don't follow any strangers anywhere, even if they seem nice and friendly and innocent. Like it could be just cute girls that are like, oh, hey, you seem cool. You want to like help me practice my English? Let's go to this bar or whatever. Just don't follow them. <laughs> I totally followed a cute girl into the buddy bar. I know. That's, I mean, it's a smart tactic. Worked out you know? for me.
0: I've even heard rumors of like potentially getting your drink drug. Yes. And you wake yes. up without a wallet. I didn't really see any first-hand accounts. Like, I don't think that's super prevalent, but there's bad people in the world. I got the
1: impression that that's not uncommon. Okay, people getting drugged and then robbed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so these people that are standing in front of various establishments trying to draw you in—they're referred to as touts. And I don't want to give the impression that like every single one of them is trying to scam you. I mean, they—you know—obviously, some of them are are legit, right. but you can't know Like It worked out for me in the bunny bar. It yeah. was real, you know. Yeah, some of them are just advertising. There's nothing wrong with that. And you might notice that a lot of them are black. Have you heard about this, the situation in Kabukicho?
0: Yeah. I've seen them even
1: in other places, I feel like. Yeah?
0: Yeah. There's like a group of black guys like aggressively approaching people and like, come here, come here, come to this place. We got pretty girls. We got cheap drinks. Bro, I'm going to hook you up. Like,
1: yeah, that yeah. happens. It's a thing. And if you talk to them, you might find out that they are from Nigeria specifically. And I'd heard for years people talking about the Nigerians in Kabukicho and I'm like, what is what is the story here? You know, it sounds like just blatant racism kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what's going on? So I looked into this well, in history partly. Yeah, it is. So, apparently, since the mid 1980s, there's been a stream of Nigerian immigrants flowing into Japan. And a lot of them worked in factories at first, but then when Japan's bubble era ended, like early 90s, right, it was harder for them to find work. And a lot of them ended up working in the nightlife industry. And sadly, they faced a lot of discrimination and it makes it hard for them to get other jobs. And then their association with that industry makes the discrimination worse. So it's just like this vicious cycle, you know? Reminded me, we talked about uh, the same thing with like... Korean immigrants? There was some episode where we talked about this. Yeah, it's Korean
0: immigrants, maybe the Burakumin. Yeah, yeah, Burakumin as well. We definitely
1: mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like kind of who's going to hire them, right? Yeah, it's you a know? sad situation. And what's crazy is a lot of them are actually really highly educated, too. Like, a lot of them have engineering degrees and stuff, but they just can't find those jobs in Japan and they get stuck in the nightlife industry, but they still stick around because it's better than their situation would be back in Nigeria. Right.
0: Especially if you live there for like 10 years and now you lost your job at the factory, like now you're going to go back with nothing. Like that's tough. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they speak Japanese. A lot of them speak English or French. Like they're they're smart guys.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I think like, I mean, if you go online and, and read forums about Japan or whatever, and you see people kind of talking poorly about Nigerians in Japan and uh, saying they're a scourge and they're all trying to scam you and stuff, it's yeah. that, that's, that's just racism. Yeah. The, and The problem uh, a lot is like their circumstances in Japan more than like who they are as people. Right. But also, most Nigerians in Japan are not involved in the nightlife industry. It's just this small minority of them that is very visible, you yeah. know, and people make yeah. generaliz- generalizations based on that. Right. So. It's like the same 20 guys standing
0: out there every night that people see. Yeah, I've heard stories, too. There's so many, like, I saw that story, too, about they came on the visas, and then they lost their jobs. I've seen stories about immigrants coming over with fake marriages where they get married and they pay their spouse every month, and then mm. they have to work jobs like this to make enough money to be able to pay until they are married long enough to get permanent residency. Sure. But I also saw that that's way more common for Asian immigrants, like Koreans and Chinese and like other people like that, than it is
1: for Nigerians. Huh. The world is an interesting place. Yeah. Oh man, So I got to tell you about this book I've been reading called Sapiens. you yeah, heard of it? I have. You haven't read any of it though? Nope. It's pretty interesting. It goes over like all of human history. Dude, I live it's, for it's, ancient it, human history. I yeah, love I pre-history. think you would love this book. I love prehistory, but it, like, I've
0: read multiple books about like the dawn of humanity.
1: Yeah, but it talks about like how humans have found different ways to divide groups. Actually, what I thought was really really interesting is they talk about how like our predecessors that didn't have written language or like kind of abstract thinking skills, they weren't able to form like really big groups that cooperated together, and it wasn't until like written language and myths and like stories started to come into play that people were able to organize around ideas. And like, that's what enabled larger communities and hierarchies and stuff. But even the hierarchy itself is a myth. Like you have to believe in this hierarchy for the system to work. You know what I mean? Well, I do know what you mean. I think about that all the time.
0: Like what makes a king a king? He's just some dude that somehow, some way, people decided, like, this guy's in charge, and now his son is. Like, it's, it's a weird,
1: abstract construct that we made up that everyone just goes along with. But it's interesting to think that without that kind of construct, society couldn't function, you know? It makes you wonder, like, is it possible to have a society where people are actually equal? Or is the hierarchy essential to not having if you want a to be like, society highly organized? Yeah.
0: You know, someone's yeah. gotta make decisions like but there's other for like now we have democracy and stuff like that where there are different ways, but there's still leaders, but there's other ways of choosing them.
1: Yeah. Well then there's like I mean, there are organizations built around all sorts of ideas, but it's all like ideas that that are very abstract and and not a part of like objective reality. You know what I mean? Like religions and stuff. Anyway, I don't know why I really. Yeah, I could go on about went this stuff down this forever. road. I guess I was. I just meant like with the racism and stuff. It's like all that stuff is made up. Yeah, you it, know, it's so dumb. Yeah. Anyway, um, I got
0: one other piece of advice that yeah. I heard from a lot of people.
1: Okay.
0: The girl on the street bringing you in is. Always prettier than the girls inside. Oh yeah, <laughs> that goes for like maid cafes. That goes uh, for everything. Yeah,
1: that's you're like oh
0: damn, this girl's hot. Let's go in here. Then you get inside, and you're like,
1: oh, okay. That's why she was out front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't think to mention that, but that's true in my experience, I suppose. I've only been to a maid cafe, by the way. That's the only kind of venue I've I've witnessed that. Same, but same. So. I guess another negative thing I
0: have to bring up here. I is, guess it's uh, negative. I don't know if you want to call it like sex trafficking or. That's what I'd call it. Yeah, sure. I, I suppose it is. There's a lot of women that get looped into this sort of work, sex work or pornography work, that aren't really trying to sign up for it. They'll have these guys that pretend to be model agents, being like, oh, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful, I'm a model agent come with me. We'll take pictures of you. And they get them to like sign a contract, but then they like bring them away from their home. Like, Oh, if you're from Tokyo, Oh, we're going to bring you like hundreds of miles away. And now all of a sudden, Oh, here, here's the photo shoot. And all of a sudden it's like, take off your clothes, have sex with this guy. And they're like, Whoa, what's going on? And then they'll, if they try to object to it, it's like, you signed the contract. They pressure them into it. You signed the contract. They're nowhere near any of their friends or family. They've got no one to go to for help. And they've got like a whole crew there. And it's like, everybody's here to do this. You can't not do this. All these people will lose their job. And
1: they pressure them into like going way farther than they ever signed up for. And there are a lot of ways that women get roped into this stuff. And the Yakuza is heavily involved in this type of thing. I saw that people are sometimes enticed with offers of citizenship via fraudulent marriage. Um, they might be enticed with offers of employment, and then when they get to Japan, like from other countries, you know, they bring people into Japan and then force them into sex slavery. And a lot of the time, it, it's like that indentured servant kind of idea, where it's like they bring you into the country, and then it's like, okay, well, we we paid for all that stuff. We paid for you to get here and everything, so now you owe us money but since you don't speak japanese the only only work you can do is sex work and we yeah. well, we got that all set up yeah. oh look how convenient
0: oh now you paid off your ticket but oh we've been paying your rent for the last 3 months now you owe us rent now you owe us food now you yeah. owe us management fees and it just never
1: ends and they might take their passports they might threaten them with violence they might blackmail them with like pictures and you know say they're going to yeah send it to their family or something And I mean, anything that they consider misbehavior might be some fine that they add on to the debt, you know? So, you know, I kind of focused on sex trafficking from outside Japan for that Uh, part of my research, but there's also trafficking of Japanese citizens. Like you said, especially I saw runaway girls are like a major target for that. Yep. I mean, they'll target anyone that's vulnerable and that's kind of one of the most vulnerable demographics, right? That's probably everywhere. Yeah. So this is where I have some disturbing stats. Um, so admittedly, this is not super current, but from an article in 2010, I saw that surveys conducted across Japan indicate that over 50% of men have paid for sex and 75% of junior and high school girls have been solicited by middle-aged men. Oh, isn't that a shocking statistic? That's awful. So I was curious, like how this compares to the U S of course. And so I did some research there. I saw for the US, around 7 to 15% of men had paid for sex, depending on the source. But in the mid 1900s, those numbers were much higher, higher than in Japan, even. I saw something like 56% of men had paid for sex in like 19, mid 1900s. I don't remember. Okay. But yeah, I guess my point there is uh, there's a lot of demand in Japan for sex services. So that might explain why human trafficking is such an issue there. And, and it is probably like, easier to what, what do you mean? Trafficking is easier paying for sex.
0: Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. I'm like, I don't want to, but even if I wanted to here, where would I go? Well, I just drive to some seedy part of the city and try to find some gross looking hooker on the side of the road? That's maybe a
1: cop. Like, why are you assuming that they're all gross looking, Paul? There's a lot of the ones I've seen. I don't know. You, so you've seen them. You do know where to find them. Uh, in LA. <laughs> where do you go in LA? I didn't go. but where they did were you see them?
0: They were on uh, Pico near where I lived. Oh. Sometimes. Huh. I never noticed that when I lived there. There was a little hotel at Sepulveda, like right, right across from my neighborhood, that rented rooms by the hour. And oh. there's only one reason you rent rooms by the hour. Sure. But uh, dating culture... And sexual attitudes are different in Japan than they are here too. And I'm sure that plays a role, but I am not going to get into all that right now. Yeah.
1: That's interesting stuff.
0: I saw an interview with a woman that got into sex work and has since become an advocate trying to keep women out of it. Mm. And her story was basically like, I was about to graduate college. I had just got offered a job at this boring company that was going to be like a dead-end paper-pushing cubicle job for the rest of my life. And I was like losing hope and I was depressed. And this guy came up and smooth talked to me about, you're so beautiful. Let's be a model. Let's do this. And she signed up. And then they just kept pushing her further and further and further until she was doing this crazy stuff that she never wanted to do. And she ended up doing it for like 10 years before she finally broke out. I heard stories like that too. And she was self-aware too. She was even like, I never should have believed the stuff this guy was saying. But for whatever reason, in that moment, I did.
1: I was surprised how many stories I saw about like young women, like college educated women, just deciding to get into that. Or even, you know, you hear about like high school girls selling their used panties and stuff like that. It just surprises me that it's apparently so ubiquitous. Everybody and, needs money. And even in Japanese media, like I remember when you showed me initial D and I was shocked that like Takumi is. Girlfriend, isn't she like she has a sugar daddy or whatever? He's yeah. Like a middle-aged guy that she's sleeping with for gifts and stuff? Like what? 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 Yeah, yeah. That just felt so out of left field to me, considering like everything else in that anime. Yeah, it's just part of life. It is. It just shows that you're a good
0: boy. You you're
1: not involved in
0: any of that nasty shit.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I was sheltered for a lot of my early life and i don't know if that necessarily served me well to like always been in this little bubble where i'm not exposed to the the darkest stuff maybe that's why it fascinates me so much you know
0: yeah but some ways like you sought out stuff like you were mr uh serial killer historian you don't need in, to frame when it you, that when way. you were a teenager you know I mean, so that you, wasn't my whole personality.
1: Just you, to be you, clear, no, no, not at all. But you dabbled in the in the darker I was side of life. About it. You know, this is interesting. I'm looking forward to our episode about the uh, craziest true crime stuff in Japan. True crime, Japan. Anyway, we don't need to drag this out, right? Are we? <laughs> ready to wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again to everybody who uh, voted for this episode, and especially the person that suggested it in the first place. Seemed to to shoot to the top of the poll pretty quickly. I'm already excited to see what we're going to get for next season from our patrons. Yeah, and if you want to be able to vote, yeah, you should you should be a patron. Uh, you can join for as little as two dollars a month, and we are oh, we are so close to our first goal of twenty five yeah, patrons. Yeah, at which point we will start doing episodes uh, about folklore for our patrons, special exclusive episodes. that will be fun. So we should be sure to thank our Shogun-level patrons, Wesley C., Nicholas McKibben, Kevin Harris, Brady K., Jack, Michael, David Imani, Jennifer Crutchfield, Darwin Perrier, Max, and Katerina and Ellery. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Paul, what are we talking about next time
0: on Sightseeing Japan? On the next episode of Sightseeing Japan. We are going to deep dive into the city of Sapporo. Sweet. It's more than just a beer. A delicious beer and a beautiful city. I'm super excited. I really want to go to Sapporo and Hokkaido. Sapporo's great, uh, man. I'm ready to dive in and afterwards I'll have my itinerary just ready to go. I have so much to say
1: about Sapporo. (laughs) A lot of fun there. Nice. I love the city episodes. Should be great. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you next time.